0: to the TCS Podcast. I am your host, Dominic Tulo. Today, I am joined by two individuals. I have Mike Lombard today as a co-host, which I'm super excited excited about, and I have Brandon Hyatt from Sheepdog Trucking. Mike, how are you, man?
1: Not too bad. Can't complain. Dom, how are you doing?
0: Doing fantastic. And Brandon, how are you? Doing really well. How are you guys? Doing good, man. I see, Brandon, we've got you in... I always pay attention to where guys are calling from in the trucking business because unlike a lot of these podcasts we see, uh, we're not all in studios. So I call in from a truck stop, which is why you see this sign behind me. Mike usually calls in from his Peterbilt truck, not on the road today. He's at home. Uh, But, Brandon, you look like you're in a little bit of a a work truck setup. What do you got going on? Yeah, I just have a a
2: 350, Ford F-350. So. And you kind of just have your office in there. I do, You're, yep.
0: Got a little desk set up. I can yeah. picture it.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Got the center console for uh, any desk work I might need and the
0: iPad mount. So works out pretty well. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a, It's probably a nice place also for some peace and quiet. You mentioned you had a handful of kids. so Yeah,
2: I got a basketball It's a good little uh, – like, yeah. Yeah, you know, we got a basketball team worth. So um, it, it allows a little escape from that and you actually can hear everything going on.
1: Are you hot shotting with That's that? That's awesome, man.
2: So I do a little bit. Um, I do a little bit of driving, but yeah, we're all hot shot stuff.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. How
2: much driving do you still do, Brandon? Um, maybe four or five days a week. Not a whole lot. Uh, I pretty much stay home. And, not a whole lot. Full
0: time. Not a whole lot. Uh,
2: yeah, I pretty much stay home like five days a month. I'm sorry, not a week. Um, oh, okay. I stay home and run the the business side of things now. So, not as much as I'd like to, but
0: enough to kind of get out and know about. That's awesome, man. I want to hear a little bit about how you got into Hot Shots, um, what your experience has been, and what led you there. But before we do that, I want to know, what does the name Sheepdog come from? So I'm actually also a law
2: enforcement officer.
0: um, And it's just
2: a a term with policing, um, kind of protecting the flock. Um, So I just adapted it from my
0: career and used that for the name. That's awesome. And – When did you become a founder of Sheepdog Trucking? We started in October of
2: 2018 uh, is when we got started. And then I started on my own, kind of doing cars here and there for a couple dealerships and stuff like that, Um, and then kind of jumped headfirst into it. Still running cars, a lot of the super dispatch, central dispatch stuff. Um, Didn't really know anything about the industry at all. Um, Self-taught, just tried to learn. uh, Learned by a lot of mistakes. That was
0: your first experience with trucking? It is,
2: yeah. So uh, a lot of mistakes along the way, but um, but th- that's how we got started, is just running cars here locally in uh, central Indiana.
0: That's awesome. And you mostly just dealing with dealerships. Um, so you have your own customers. You run your own authority. Correct. Um, do you work with any, like, AAA contractors or stuff like that? No. So um, we've since... Since switched out of cars, uh, once we
2: started leasing guys on and stuff like that, um, insurance rates for cars only, kind of the long haul over the road stuff was just astronomical. Um, So we went to more of the general freight. Uh, We do a lot of steel um, construction supplies, like the rooftop air conditioners and stuff like that now.
0: So you're doing like flatbed with the hot Correct. shot, is it? Am I right? Yes. Maybe Mike, you would know better than I
1: would. Yeah, I was gonna say we, you probably you're moving some carrier AC units. I see a lot of guys in Texas who hot shot, and I've actually uh, I've been in the same facility down in San Antonio, which is a 24-hour carrier facility where I've gone and done some dropping hooks for Warren Transport, and there'll be a couple of hot shot guys there picking up carrier units and yep. uh, take taking them out, you know, kind of in the San Antonio area.
2: Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of those. Um... And then we also do a lot of like tractors and um, small equipment and stuff. Uh, we got an account um, through a local rental company, so we run all over the Midwest, really delivering construction equipment and stuff for them.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny to so, to, to see the, like how sometimes. Flatbed loads, you'll be you'll be with hotshot guys. Sorry, yeah, sorry to cut you off down, but it's it's funny. I went to go pick up four mini excavators, and the guy in front of me had yeah, he had a Dodge Ram dually, and he was the guy in front of me. He got loaded with four, and I got loaded with four. And in some ways, from the hotshot side of things, there are flatbed loads you can get as somebody in a pickup truck who's getting paid the same amount as somebody who's you know in in a semi truck. Some, not all, but it happens sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah uh, Mike, I'd be interested to know how often when you're pulling do you actually need all of the weight capacity you have?
1: Yeah I mean you'd be you'd be surprised for the most part I do like because a lot of times I, I am moving you know equipment that's heavier, a lot of j- bigger John Deere tractors and combines. but like th- because primarily I, I have a step deck or an RGN, but every now and then when you have you know a, a conventional skateboard as they call it on a CB radio like a regular like uh, flatbed, you know, those ones, the, you can put lighter, you'll put lighter freight on it. That sometimes is good for, you know, a 48 foot gooseneck that's just being towed by a, by a pickup truck. So sometimes the use of a a 48 or 53 foot flatbed being hauled by a semi does go underutilized depending on what market you're in. Sure. And Brandon, how, um, how far do you run in
2: the, in the hotshot? So we have guys kind of owner operators based in different areas. Um, I've got one down Mississippi, a couple down in Alabama, and then we have some more in the Midwest. I think we got one out Oklahoma as well. They typically stay anywhere from six to 800 mile radius from their home area. So we, we really hit kind of all over. It just depends on each, yeah, each driver. That's a long haul.
0: Yeah. Um, are they ever stopping at truck stops? Do they ever have to sleep in their truck?
2: Yeah, they all do. Um, they got, most of them, they rip. How do they set that up? So they rip the back seat out and build a little bunk type bed in there and put a mattress in and off they go.
1: Wow.
0: That's a lean way to operate. Yeah,
2: it's not the most comfortable all the time, but it beats, you know,
0: have to pay for a hotel every night, too. Fair enough. Uh, do you, I mean, is that something that's happening like with a common occurrence or do they just have the bed set up in case they need it? I know a lot of the guys at least that I've talked to that is their sole means of
2: where they stay they sleep in the truck um, I've seen guys even take out the the front passenger seats and put you know fridges and you know all sorts of stuff they get they get really creative
0: with it I'm sure yeah they don't have much square footage I mean they really have to get creative yeah. there's no doubt about it yeah I mean Mike your Peterbilt looks like it's it's massive on the inside
1: yeah that the 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 comfortability of my truck is definitely uh, a little bit better. Sometimes I'm curious about that too. Cause I know, I mean, I've slept slept next to to guys in their, in their trucks, like next to me at a truck stop. And I always wonder, I'm like, you know, that Dodge Ram is, was probably $70,000, especially the newer ones. And I was like, and you know, they probably could have gotten like a $40,000 or $35,000, 20, 2014 Cascadia or something. And I don't know, I feel, I, but sometimes, like I said, hot shotting comes with a different workload like when you've got that sleeper you're going to go out and do those long like you can go further so the hot shot guys i mean the reason why they do it is they're not going out as far like you're not going to go you're not going to do a 1600 mile leg mm-hmm. in, in a hot shot because y- your your fuel cost is just out outrageous at that point, unlike a semi truck. So I mean, they're they're being used in different ways. But sometimes I'm just like, man, wouldn't it be a little bit easier and more comfortable if you just got you know, if you just got yourself a regular big boy truck? But hey, it's all about that. You know, it's how they do their workload and what they enjoy. Yeah, man. Yeah, there's just
0: different applications for just different different types of work. I mean, I know sometimes we're building smaller trucks to do work, and when we're scoping it, um, like a smaller fuel truck to do construction sites. Maybe only holds half as much as a larger oil truck. But, you know, you save time on the job site. It's easier to get it done. The driver doesn't hate the work as much because they can maneuver better. So there's just different applications that require different sizes. Um, it's always cool to hear about them. I see a lot of them roll through my trucks up And sometimes I'm just so impressed with the size of the fuel tank that they strap into the bed of those things. It just, like, blows me away. They're probably... I don't know, 120, 150 gallons in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've seen some really large ones, so I've always found that to be impressive. Um, and they're 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 coming in, they're pulling cars off, they're swapping cars around. Sometimes they actually uh, people pick up um, cars off of hotshot trailers right at my truck stop where mm-hmm. I'm situated, and it's always cool to see um, what's happening. I, I, Brandon, that doesn't sound like you do any truck stop uh, exchanges um based off your reaction no that's interesting
2: here yeah i mean you, you can do what you gotta do to get it unloaded i guess um but
0: it's just yeah that's interesting yeah so brandon you started sheepdog three and a half years ago um am i right that you said three and a half years yeah um yeah yeah it sure sort of bring us through the evolution of going from where you were in the beginning to to where you are today and Maybe some of the things you learned along the way.
2: Yeah, so a lot of it was just kind of – I always enjoyed traveling, enjoyed driving. Uh, decided, you know, kind of saw some YouTube videos and, and, and read some stuff on it, uh, Facebook groups, stuff like that, and kind of started really researching the industry. Um, I had, at the time, an old uh, 2002 F-250 that I had paid for. Uh, found a really good deal on a trailer, so I was like, oh, we'll give it a shot. Um, that's it. So I started doing cars, a lot of it through Super Dispatch to get started. Um, some of the biggest things for me were I didn't do a good job researching um, FMCSA guidelines, stuff like that. So I got nailed a couple times on that, um, you know, the logbook stuff, and not even realizing that. And you know, I was like, my thinking was I'm not in a semi. I don't need to do any of that. So, yeah. Wrong real quick on that one um and then a lot of it was learning to to really track my costs and know what what it's taking to run the truck every mile versus just thinking oh that sounds like a really good rate and then by the time i get home realize by the time i paid for fuel and maintenance and food and whatever i barely even broke even um so really learning to hone down on tracking my expenses and stuff like that um and then I started wanting to build something to go long-term um, for retirement from my career field and, and build something that I was be able to sustain for that. So that's when I really dug into the, the guideline FMCSA and really getting a good understanding of the business side of it and opening it up to leasing on guys. And we started that 2021, it was August so we're coming up on, on two years for them and really trying to provide a, a way for guys to lease on that's a reputable and, and kind of a family atmosphere versus, you know, some of these that are reading, you know, the the splits that they're paying and and everything. Just really kind of taking advantage of the small guys really is what it seemed like. Um, so, so we kind of transitioned into that and have um, really focused on growing that side
0: of it. Uh, and I'm learning every day, really. but Yeah, it's a never-ending learning experience yeah. being in trucking at the same day. Um, doesn't often happen. They usually rhyme, but they don't necessarily always repeat the same way on a day-to-day mm. basis. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I think it's really it's really amicable that you are noticing that the smaller guys are being taken advantage of, and if you treat them right and you're honest with them, then they will gravitate towards you, and if you have the workflow, I mean that that's terrific. What was your first experience when you really found out about FMCSA guidelines?
2: So it was um, I was actually in Illinois. Um, had just picked up, um, I can't remember what it was, but a couple cars from an auction place over there, and uh, I didn't think they're weigh scales. You drive them all, pass them all the time. So I'd go roll and buy one. Think nothing of it. You know, a few miles down the road, I'm getting pulled over. Like, he goes, you know, I pulled you over. And he's he's pretty upset with me. I was like, I have no clue. And I got a very long lecture on that commercial. You stop at all of them. Um, so it wasn't that pleasant. I mean, now granted, it, it turned out well because it was a really good learning experience. Um, he didn't slam me as hard as I could have been. You know, I didn't, I didn't get, you know, tickets for passing those scales or anything like that. And luckily, the amount of time that I was spending driving at the time, I didn't need the ELDs. So it, it worked out in the long run on that first one. But I mean, it was definitely a pretty intense lecture that I got there on the side of the interstate.
0: I'm sure. Sure. How do you make sure your lease operators understand all the regulations? So Is that your your responsibility or not really? It
2: it is because ultimately it falls under our business, our company. Um, So if they go out and they fail an inspection or something, that comes back on us. Um, So we have to maintain that responsibility. One thing I do is um, the the green book has all the regulations in it. I make sure they get a copy of that. And I talk to them in depth pretty much about, you know, this is what you need to have. As far as the the folder to keep in the truck with all the paperwork, everything like that, you have to have that. Um, They all come in to get the DOT stickers and ELDs and stuff like that. And I make sure they have all that Um, and actually visually see it. Uh, And then I monitor the ELDs every day. So every morning I pull a report uh, to make sure that nobody's, nobody's out of compliance, everybody's operating within. We also operate dash cams, you know, kind of monitor the speeds and stuff like that to make sure it's
0: nothing excessive and, you know, and safety like that. Very interesting. Um, Lombard, what's your take on all that?
1: Yeah, no, I I, I do kind of find it amusing that like you jumped right in. And because I I always wondered that because when you get when you go to CDL school, there's always a lot of guys who talk about hot shotting. And I think, yeah, because there's this there's this gray area with them. And even now, I know I've heard that the FMCSA really wants to. And I was going to ask you uh, about buckling down on this use of sleeper uh, berth for for the electronic (laughs) logs and how they're. They're essentially trying to strong arm a lot of hot shotting guys because they, you, you know, they'll put themselves off duty for 10 hours and and based off where they're staying. So, yeah, there's always this gray area based off weight because there are there's guys who non-CDL drive hot mm-hmm. shots depending on the weight. And and but, but I mean, some of them are probably cheating. And there's definitely there's definitely a little bit more gray area. And I think uh, more you can get away with if you if you're hot shotting. But, yeah, when they catch you, they definitely want to ding you hard.
2: Oh, yeah. And that's one thing, like you said with the sleeper berth stuff, I, I make sure none of them do that because you can have a hot shot truck set up that's able to be in a sleeper berth, but you got there's a bunch of modifications you have to do. You have to take out like door panels and, you know, because you have to get the, the dimension requirements. Um, so there are setups you can buy that, that make that uh, work. But as far as everyone I've talked to and stuff, as long as you mark off-duty – you know, for those 10 hours that it's, it's okay. But I've heard the same thing that they're, they're trying to, to kind of weasel that out and, and work around that. And then, yeah, so the, the CDL versus non-CDL, we do have some owner operators that are non-CDL.
0: Um,
2: and we just, the, the thing that you got to watch on that is, and I, and I know the common misunderstanding is, is as long as I weigh less than 26,000, I'm okay, which that's not the case. Yeah, you have to weigh less, but your equipment also has to be rated for less. Um. So I've had guys yeah. come to me and say, "Hey, I don't have my CDL." So one of the first things I ask, you know, what's the gross rate rating on your truck and trailer? You know, and I'll have some guy. You know, it's 30 thirty, thirty-five thousand. Like, no, it's not going to work. Well, you know, I, I explain to them, it doesn't matter what your weight is. You got to have the rating has to be lower than it as
0: well. Right. It's more than just capacity. Correct. You have to be able to stop the thing as well. Yeah. You need the right equipment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you're pulling weight, everything changes. When you're pulling weight, our insurance company doesn't even care that we haul fuel versus diesel exhaust fluid or water. They'll charge us the same amount. All they care about is the weight. When it comes to the insurance company, Um, Brandon, do you need to pay these operators insurance as well? So they
2: um, they're under our insurance plan. Um, It all it's all through the the company, but our owner operators. they they pay their portion of it, uh, but it, it is under our policies is the way it works.
0: Got it. So you cover it and then they reimburse basically or they, they pay it back. Correct. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I mean, they must appreciate that in some extent because they don't have to worry about it. Um, so it's kind of your burden, but... Yeah, it, I'm sure even for a lease operator, it gets pretty expensive for them. It can, yeah. I mean, because obviously they own the equipment. So, that, you know,
2: they have the maintenance, the the fuel bills and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's a huge, you know, they have a huge expense. Um, we do offer fuel cards um, to kind of help with the burden of that a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, it's still, it's still a huge
0: expense being, some you know, owning the equipment. Sure. Yeah, the fuel card's great. I mean, if you can get them a decent fuel deal – then that, that really makes them more competitive in transportation. I mean, fuel can be anywhere from your first, second, or third largest expense, yeah. depending on the price. Mm-hmm. So what's your split? What are you running as far as – do you still have company-operated trucks? No. By split, I mean company-operated versus um, lease-operated. No, so do you have any company-operated left or all lease? I have
2: one, I, my truck If you know for when I do go out, um, but the rest of them are, are leased on. Um, that is kind of our next goal: is to kind of move into um, trying to build a fleet. Um, but I got to get the uh, like the lot and uh, I have a place to park everything. Sure. So that's kind of the on the horizon as
0: far as our next steps that we want to take. That's awesome, and um, I mean, you have a relationship with TCS, so you must do you must have done some kind of factoring or settlement prior to. Um, discovering TCS, what was your experience, or what is your experience with, with using factoring companies? So, we actually have had really
2: pleasant experience with the factoring company we use. Uh, I can't say anything negative about them um, versus what I've heard from other companies that are in the factoring industry. Um, and uh, you know, and I'll be honest, I never really thought twice about doing it just because it saves from having to have, you know, all that build up cash flow or you know in the reserves so it really never even struck me as i need to get rid of this right now um, until i we went to the mats and and heard your guys's presentation on on the tcs and and everything that they offer and it really got me to thinking like you know we can save a ton of money so one of the first things i did was add up what we're spending or what we're losing and factoring every month and i mean it was
0: it was, it, Can you tell us what that number is? Yeah, I
2: mean, you don't have to. No, no, I don't mind. To. Here, hang on, I'll tell you. Because I just actually ran a report before, um,
0: before this. You know what? Don't tell us the amount. Tell us like a back of the napkin percentage um, of what you th- of what do you think you saving you like a year? I know that's kind of hard. Yeah. So I mean, um, we lose three percent. Tell us whatever
2: you yeah, want. We man. lose three percent right off the bat. Um. You know, right off the bat is is three percent of our our gross. So, um, you know, when you when you start adding guys on and, and you're you're hitting those bigger revenue numbers, I mean, you're losing a considerable amount that is is, is straight profit. Really, is what it comes down to because all your expenses sure. are coming out before that. You know, outside of that, yeah. So when you add that in, it's it, it's really mind blowing on on what you can actually save.
1: I was going to say, how often are you you paying your your leased uh, contractors? Uh, we do every week. Yeah, uh, so so you're you're paying them every week what they're you know what they owed based on the split. And for a small business such as yourself, so like I, you know, I'm leased on with Warren Transport, and they pay me within 24 hours of a load. Now Warren doesn't factor obviously, so they benefit from something like that. But for somebody like you, having to factor is such a barrier uh, of of for upward mobility and growth. For mm-hmm. a small business, I mean, just because that's the thing. It, ideally, and this is just my own personal opinion, I think the best way for a company to grow, any truck company to grow, is to add company trucks. Um, be, like it's just better because you you own the you own the assets. It's better for mm-hmm. you. Leasing on operators, like you said, they could be failing inspections. Their equipment can be yep. poor, and so it's it seems to be a little bit tougher. And so that more more guys seem to go with the option of leasing on because it's a faster way to get more freight moved under your numbers, but then you know you're still on the hook for paying them. And if you're factoring, that's such another dagger in the side of your yeah. revenue.
2: Yeah, it is a hundred percent. and and once I actually started paying attention to that, the dagger dug dug even deeper because it was like, oh wow, like that's what I'm losing, you know, each and every month, each yeah, and every month become week. aware of yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the general public doesn't realize that you know, with, with the cost of settlement, you really have two options. You can either have hundreds of thousands of dollars in your bank account just sitting, which is constantly turning from receivables to payables. And, you know, that month, like that number is volatile for a, in a trucking company's checkbook. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's very hard to put your finger on, well, how much money do I have exactly at this moment? Because there's so much money moving in and out with all the expenses a trucking company has. When you throw factoring on top of that, well, you don't have that issue anymore, but you're paying, you know, three to five yep. percent in return to have that money in your account. Um, when when zero cost settlement comes along, uh, it it gets really exciting. Um, and frankly, as people think it's too good to be true. Um, so you know, we love having actual use cases like you, Brandon, of people actually using the product it's it's super exciting to to hear your first-hand experience um but it's also rare that you didn't have any problem with your factoring company um you seemed like you know maybe they were nice guys or maybe whoever you dealt with was pleasant or maybe you dealt with nobody i mean but but they're taking three percent so they're nice but they take three percent right so it's it's expensive but that is rare that you've you had like a decent experience it is
2: and i talk to guys all the time that are like oh this is horrible like customer service i can never get a hold of anybody you know um i want to get out of my contract with them and they're holding it to it and you know they're adding in i've heard you know factor companies tacking in fees for not using a fuel card from them and fees for this and i'm just like no I, i i haven't experienced any of that um customer service wise it is it, they yeah they've been really good it's just it's three percent that i'm losing right off the bat that still right.
0: hurts especially as a small business it could also make you more competitive as a company mm-hmm. in hiring more hot shots because you have more free cash flow that you can either compensate better for a load uh you know you just have more flexibility yeah. than somebody who has to actually actually has to put that expense on their balance yes. sheet one hundred percent. Well, that's awesome. I'm, we're super pleased to get your feedback on it um, and just hear about your experience with factoring as a whole. So, I guess uh, you've kind of already covered this, but as far as what's next for Sheepdog, um, it's it's going kind of a, a more of an asset based company. Yeah, that's the goal um, is
2: to really move into and, and start building the assets. Because, um, like Mike said, it, that's really where you can start growing. You, you have a lot more control over everything. I know what the equipment condition is going to be. I know what the maintenance is on it. I know how well it's taken care of. Um, and then you own it. So then your business has that asset as a value to the company. Um, so that is the next step we want to take and, and kind of move that direction. And we're, we're trying to start to lay the framework to move.
0: That's awesome, man. That's super exciting. Uh, we wish you a lot of luck with it and actually look forward to having you back on in maybe six yeah, months sure. or a year from now and kind of see what your experience uh, of growing that company is like. Yeah. I look forward to it. hundred percent. Awesome guys. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much. Appreciate everyone's time and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you.
1: Take care. the cats you meet on the street they get cooler both of the time they're sitting and ground at home one of these days then know they better be going out of the door and down of the door alone trucking like the dude's all man once told me you got to play your hand sometimes the cards it worth the time